Good morning, everyone. This is your host, John, of the Research Review, creating a platform for researchers to inspire. I am here with another excellent guest today, Xavier. Hi, it's good to be here. So tell us a little bit about your research. Yeah, of course. So I'm sure that you've always had that class in high school or maybe even in college that it was for a credit or for English that you had to read something Shakespeare and you read it and you went, wow, I understood absolutely none of that. I was one of those <laughs> students. Now, I I was always something of like the Shakespeare nerd at school. Like I, I enjoyed it significantly more than my other classmates. Like people would be like, why do you enjoy this? Or Xavier, what is he saying? I, I legitimately enjoyed it. And I was like, I understand though, because it's such a weird language compared to what we are. Like, yes, it's still English, but everything is spoken so seemingly different. So what my project is, I wanted to put together a resource book, open resource, free to anyone, students and teachers, that would make it easier to learn from and understand Shakespeare in high school and college classrooms, available for students who are just like, I don't know what this means, and I need help and explanation, or even for teachers who are like, I want more resources to refer back to or discussion questions to build lesson plans on so that I can help engage with my students. That's a fantastic idea. I think stuff like this should definitely be taught in schools in the future from generation to generation, but we definitely need a more efficient way to teach it. Mm -hmm. So what does the setup of this book kind of look like? Yeah, so really what this book has done is we've taken five of the most commonly taught plays in schools, which are Romeo and Juliet, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Macbeth, Much Ado About Nothing, and King Lear. And we have broken them down to their bare bones and really surrounded the world of, you know, what happens in these stories. And what we've done is we have scene breakdowns, which are self-explanatory. You know, what happens in this scene, cause and effect, chronological order, so that you can better understand the flow. We have vocabulary, which for vocabulary, and it's so funny. My parents would sometimes, you know, read, uh, specifically my mom read over things because they aren't huge Shakespeare fans. They enjoy it, but they're like, eh, I don't really fully understand it. So it was a good way to see if they can get it. And they were teachers too. So if they get it and they like it, then it was a good way to see if it would be helpful to, for other educators. And of course, they would always point out my grammar errors. But it was funny because one time for vocabulary, my mom came up to me and she was like, you know, why are you doing this whole vocabulary list? Don't you, these things always already exist? And, you know, they do. And she looked up one that was like, King Lear, Act 1, there's 45 words. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's nice. We have about 45 words for the first scene of King Lear. Because <laughs> really, I think what a lot of vocabulary lists do is they pinpoint specific words. But what we've done is two things with the vocabulary. A, we have defined every single possible word and phrase that even anyone could be like, what is being talked about here? And then second, we have broken it down to a very basic level to show that essentially there is no word that can't not be understood. We Because, you know, you might not know what a certain word means. So what do you do? You Google it. And what happens when you come up with an equally complex word? And then you're like, well, that doesn't help anybody. I still don't understand. Right. So we have taken the extra step to essentially break down to a point where anyone can understand everything. And that's just the vocabulary. So we've got scene breakdown, vocabulary, and then we've also got a focus on 
specific film and staging adaptations. And what I mean by that is essentially either famous movies or different unique works that have adapted them that could be viewable for people so that they can go, oh, I can see this now. Because that's the thing with Shakespeare is that they were never necessarily meant to be read, always seen. So when you're reading it, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And that's fair because you should be seeing it. And obviously that's not always an easy option for teachers. It's not in the budget. It's not in the time. But at least having these resources to fall back on of, okay, here's something that we can refer back to. Here's some details about the movies that I can ask about then. And the same with stagings as well of different performances of each of the different works. And that from there, you, we also have suggested discussion questions. Now, obviously, no teacher has to do these questions. Like, right. But these questions can help plan out some of their lessons and decide, help teachers figure out, okay, what do I want to focus on? Maybe I want to figure out some of the themes of Romeo and Juliet, or I want to make a comparison between King Lear and his fool. What are their character dynamics? And these kinds of things to help students and teachers understand the basics of the Shakespeare works so that then they can really dedicate time to the nuances and intricacies of the works. Yeah. Those discussion questions Sounds like a very fantastic idea. From what I understand in the field of education, that group conversation is what really engages a class. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of kids are going to be more interested in, in Shakespeare and this kind of stuff by the way that you're presenting the teachings. Just sitting here and talking to you in this conversation that we've had before has actually gotten me interested in this topic. And I was never one of those kids, you know, back in grade school when they were teaching it. But I mean, it's really engaged me just having this discussion so far. So I noticed you've done a very thorough breakdown of these pieces. How long did that take you? A very long time. Uh, so what we really did, and, and when I always am saying we, I'm really talking about me and the professor in charge that was helping me, Dr. Yuko Kurahashi. She is an absolute genius when it comes to research. And I, I wouldn't be here without her. But she's helped guide me all the way. And what we would end up doing is we would week by week break this down of like, okay, we're going to do this play this week, then this play this week, then this play this week, and sort of really focus in on the intricacies and the things to look at. Now, obviously, I would do like the scene breakdown and vocabulary because that's just reading it, defining it, rewriting but she would provide me with different stagings and movies to look at, to review, some of which we watched together and came up with discussion questions together. One of the big things that also we would do is we would have weekly review sessions because I did a lot of the writing and then I would take a turn. She's like, okay, here's uh, what I think you should edit for here. Here's what I think you should change about for here, uh, which was really great because I write in a very passive voice. Um, and there's, you probably heard of the difference between passive and active voice and she would always be like write an active voice please what was your favorite play out of all of them to break down a midsummer night's dream um because and i'll fully be honest it's my personal favorite because i actually that was the first shakespeare play i was ever in mm -hmm. back in high school we had a yearly play that we did it was my junior year and we were supposed to do the bad seed and the principal didn't want to approve it for two reasons. One, because it had swear words in it. And two was because it was about a child who likes to kill people. So she didn't think it was appropriate, which is kind of funny because then it was approved the very next year. But details. So for junior year, the professor who was involved, he was like, well, 
I have to get something. And it was such a time crunch. He was like, I need to get something in public domain because I don't have time for royalties mm-hmm. because this uh, denial came so late. So Shakespeare, that's what you think when, you know, public domain, when it's 400 years old, there's no copyright. And so that production of Midsummer Night's Dream became Avon High School's, that's where I went to, Avon High School's first Shakespeare production. And I was cast as Nick Bottom, who's sort of this comic relief character, who's an absolute idiot, but he was so much fun to play. And that really cemented for me the love of Shakespeare, because I had always enjoyed reading Shakespeare Mm -hmm. up until this point. But then I got to experience what it's like to act in a play, and it is a very different experience. That was the same way with me for music. I'm a big fan of music. I listen to everything. I That's one of my greatest hobbies is listening to music. But it's such a different experience when you're on stage actually performing in front of people. I mean, it's something you can't even describe. It's amazing. Now, personally, why do you enjoy reading Shakespeare? What, ex- what excites, excites you about it? I think it's a number of things. And I think it's some of the same things you might hear a lot of people say. You know, there's a universality when it comes to the themes and the storylines. And, you know, maybe some people will refer to a certain show they were in or a certain kind of character. And I guess for me, it's a mix of all that. But also, I've I've always just loved stories. I've loved telling stories. I've loved reading good stories. And I feel like Shakespeare has been such a crux. Or, sorry, Shakespeare has been such a huge influence on our culture and the culture around the world that there's so many different things and that's one of the things I actually talk about in sort of the introduction is what does it mean when we say he's universal there's the Europe and America but there's so much more to that that other people do that from different cultures that like how much it's studied Asia and uh, or even in South Africa where there's a yearly magazine that documents different Shakespeare works being done oh yeah and for me it was just being able to find something that worldwide is enjoyed and done over and over again of these same stories but different retellings each time just was fascinating to me um and another thing for me was just the characters is that each one is so well defined and well made that like you can really picture them and yet any interpretation obviously everyone's going to picture some character differently they're all correct with Shakespeare. There's no wrong way to play any one character. And that's, I think, a beautiful thing that really you don't see much of in any other type of work. Is there anyone else that you think compares to Shakespeare? Or is he off in his own category? (sighs) Boy, ain't that the question. (laughs) I think there's definitely people who could certainly say, you know, you could make a case that have definitely made an impact that Shakespeare has. But I think... Shakespeare's impact is so unique for both the world of theater and really for every aspect that we can think of that who else is going to have like a multitude of Shakespeare festivals around the world have famous movies that are inspired based on his works. People always say the Lion King is just Hamlet with animals. I think the real way to respond to that question is that every single author, playwright, whether how big or small they are, make an important impact in our world. And I think that's why writers in every regard are so critical is because they will always have their voice make a change. But I think Shakespeare's voice has defined so many things that it has inspired so many more writers and playwrights and all these different kinds of artists. He's laid the groundwork for other people to find their voices too. And I think that's just so important. 
Definitely. Yeah. How else do you think Shakespeare's influenced our culture? It's funny you say that um, because I actually do write a little bit about his influence. I don't go a whole lot into it in the book. But as we're speaking, as of now, I've mentioned, you know, film adaptations and movies. If you, at the time of when I'm assuming this podcast comes out, uh, if you go on IMDb, you will find 1,690 different films that either have him credited as an inspiration or like a direct interpretation of some of his works. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is a huge impact. Oh, absolutely. Like, and, and it's not even just like basic, the retellings of stories, but like stories that will take what Shakespeare's core th- stories and themes are and just rework them into something brand new that you suddenly go, wow, this is incredible. Dr. K, Dr. Kurhashi's my professor. She's talked a lot about it. Like one of her favorite films is A Thousand Acres. It's a very feminist uh, empowering moment. That's ba- a story based around King Lear. Because so, the original story of King Lear is that King Lear, he's a king and he's you know tired of ruling. So he divides his country into thirds and he divides them between his three daughters. The reason that he does this is that he decides, I'm going to give the largest parts of my land to the daughters that say they love me the most. And the first two suck up to him because they want the land and the money, but the third one is essentially like, no, you know how much I love you, I shouldn't have to suck up to you. And this enrages him and he kicks her out, banishing her from the kingdom. And what Thousand Acres does is that it's similar, but what it is is that the father is a farmer same story applies, but instead it takes a more feminist look by exploring the pains of the daughters. Because in the original King Lear, the daughters, with the exception of the third one, weren't exactly good people. Mm-hmm. But this one, it says, no, we look at from the daughter's perspective of how abusive their father actually was and their struggle to maintain hold on this land and their own self. Right. That's very interesting because I remember that story from school, but I never really looked at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, what were your majors again? I'm a theater performance major with a double minor in pre-law and philosophy. Why did you pick those combinations? <laughs> so theater performance, I've always loved the theater. It was kind of funny with that one, which was, uh, you know, people say, don't do theater. That's a waste of a degree. But my parents, they saw how much I love doing theater and they were like, look, if you've got a backup plan, we say go for it. You, you've got time on your side. No, now you've got talent. Go for it and we will support you. And the pre-law was sort of a backup plan that if, you know, acting didn't work out because acting is hard, then I could, you know, I wanted to be some kind of like a lawyer being able to help people. Because I always imagine that like trial attorneys, that being in court is like being on stage, but you just have a different objective. And then the philosophy was a double reason for doing it. One, half of the philosophy and the pre-law classes here at Kent State actually double up. So by the time I had completed my pre-law minor, I was technically halfway done with a philosophy minor as well. Might as well. Right. And it was funny, too, because my dad actually was a classics major. Mm -hmm. So he studied, like, Greek and Latin. And so I was like, well, then I can actually be able to do some stuff that I can talk with my dad about, too. You have talent a solid knowledge and a clear passion for this. So keep up the good work. Thank you. How would you say doing research changed your perceptions of these fields? I think it really opened my eyes to how deep and how complex it is. And what I mean by that is anyone can just suddenly say, oh, acting, you get on a stage, you memorize some lines, and then you 
gesture in a really dramatic fashion and say that's acting. But really, it's so much more to that. There's a study of, like, in a deep, deep study of what these characters are, what these plot lines are connecting to, what the themes are trying to say and the messages that they're trying to impart. And really, by doing research, I personally gained a deeper appreciation for these stories because not only apart from, like I've mentioned, you know, the impact on culture. And again, I, I only talked about the films There's so and festivals. There's so much. There were paintings. There's operas. There's animation. There's manga. There is so much that it really has expanded to. And I was like, wow, I never knew how deep this went. Yeah. Um, that really it's ingrained in the roots of society and humanity as a whole. And it kind of gave me this appreciation for just how far it's reached and how much it's benefited people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to know. You're definitely doing very solid work right now. How do you plan to continue your work after undergrad? Yeah, so right now, um, Dr. K and I are currently finishing up editing. We've got pretty much everything we want to written. We're doing some editing, working a little bit on some introductions for each of the plays individually, giving some juicy information that people can be like, wow, little fun fact at trivia night. But also we are, once we finish with that editing process, we're looking to get this published specifically as an open resource. So when I say that, that means we're not going to charge any kind of royalty free. Like this will be completely free for students, teachers, anyone who wants to use it can use it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, how are you going to go about promoting this? this uh, book that you're writing? Realistically, what we're going to do, first we are looking into different publishers and some different kinds of reliable advertisement things. Potentially, what we also want to do is work with Kent and different different works. Right now, there's a certain programs for professors who can publish their own work that Dr. K is looking into that mm-hmm. we can publish it together as her and myself to get that out into the world. And really, I think it'll start here at Kent State and then just keep pushing, pushing, pushing outwards further and further until hopefully anyone and everyone who would want to find this can just like google shakespeare resources and bam there it is yeah have you ever considered teaching because you you seem to be very good at it (laughs) so it's funny you say that um both of my parents who have talked about a lot actually they're both teachers which also made them very helpful in reading this because if they could understand it, they could learn from it and they could say hey we can use this it would be a good point to look at of yeah i'm doing good they considered me doing teaching i have a lot of friends have considered me doing teaching it might be something i do later on in life if the acting has like not dimmer that I've just done everything I feel I can do and want to teach more to uh, n- the new generation. Not not to sound old, but <laughs> we're gonna get there one day. Oh, don't tell me that now. My birthday's <laughs> coming up. For real? Yeah. Uh, when's your birthday? September fifteenth. September fifteenth. I will give you a shout out on the research review page when it does. Ooh, thank you, thank you. And also. Keep giving me updates um, on your book, and I'll keep updating our viewers uh, with that as well because it sounds like there's definitely very solid work that you're doing here. It is definitely going to make an impact in the education field and get a lot Mm -hmm. more people engaged in this kind of stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, and that's the goal is really – I kind of, I've always loved Shakespeare and I want to spread that love to other people so that when they understand Shakespeare and some of the intricacies that they can find their own inspiration and go, okay, now I want to be able to use my voice too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you do a fantastic job at that. You are the person to do it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, Xavier, if you would like to share anything else with the world, what would that be? 
Don't be afraid to chase your dreams. You can absolutely do it. I'm chasing them right now, and I am living without regret. So whatever your dream is, no matter what it is, if you think it's small, if you think it's big, whatever you want to do, go out and do it. Time is on your side. Mm -hmm. Yes. And even if you don't think you're ready, just jump for it. Mm -hmm. I had an idea about starting this podcast. I talked to my roommate about it. In the summer research program, we would go around and have similar conversations with other students about their research, and I just really liked how excited they got to talk about their topics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everyone in this program was so passionate about what they do, and everyone enjoyed it to the fullest. And I told my roommate, I said, what if we just did the exact same thing we're doing on a daily basis, and we recorded it, and we gave researchers a platform to create, inspire, and connect with each other throughout the community. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about podcast studios. I didn't know how to conduct a podcast, how to work equipment. I just went in on the first day. One of the workers at the desk was kind enough to help me set this up. I learned how to edit right on the spot. And here we are today, a few months later, and I'm so glad I started right then because I wouldn't have been presented with the opportunities and had such amazing guests on that I've had so far. Yeah, and this so. is incredible. You you are living your dream. You're doing exactly that. You've got yes. this incredible podcast, and you've got a bunch of episodes, which you all should check out, by mm -hmm. the way. And yeah, this is absolutely incredible, and Thank you've you. done such an amazing job with this. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Follow your dreams and jump. Jump right on them. Mm -hmm. No fear. Live your life to the fullest and do what makes you happy. Yes. And if you've got a genuinely good idea, go for it. Embrace it. Don't let anyone hold you back. Yeah. Awesome. Xavier, thank you for coming on today. That was a fantastic discussion that we just had. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Welcome back anytime. Again, this is your host, John, of The Research Review creating a platform for researchers to inspire. Peace out.